Okay, guys, so uh, we watched a couple of anthology films. If you're going to make a question that was an anthology of questions, what would you ask? <laughs> yes, you were right, Dehart. That is a cheat-style question. One that doesn't actually ask anything, and that way he can be right. We don't have to answer these questions. We're just throwing questions out there. <laughs> wow. This is some bullshit. Literally three seconds into the podcast, and they're shitting on you. Oh, yeah. I would never do this. You have done yes, that. Yes, you would for sure do that. Um, an anthology of questions about anthologies. Well, we've asked many anthology-style questions over the years. Our hardcore fan base of, I guess, just Ed and... I don't know who else, me, would remember them. But um, I know that whenever we very first asked about anthologies, I think specifically Cheats basically had no answer. Oh, no, you know what it was? It was horror anthologies we were asking about. And uh, it was when we did Creep Show and another one. And uh, I guess I would pose the question again. Now, at this moment in time, in 2022, in the fine month of October... What is your favorite horror anthology? Or what is just a noteworthy one you think we should bring up right now? Well, you know what? We don't have to answer that question. We're just getting the questions out there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's one question you could Here, ask. Ne- next question. Next, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> we are going off the rails already. I mean, I know I look like a mad scientist. Wow, this but... is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I feel personally attacked on multiple levels. Well, you should. They're personally attacking you. Yeah. <laughs> it's only a personal attack if you take it that way. Yeah, it's true. I honestly, I like, I truly believe in this. Oh, okay. Look, there you go. He's we'll we'll get there. He can't be an asshole because if I'm, you know, it's all on me whether I'm taking well, the right. or not. Yeah, it's victim blaming. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You must be crazy <laughs> if you think this is an insult to you, Chief. <laughs> Just gaslighting. Just, classic gaslighting right now. <laughs> yeah. How to gaslight cheats one hundred and one the podcast. It's real simple. You just look at me and tell me nothing's wrong. What? How about this question in in our anthology of questions? Like, what is your favorite? You already asked one though. No, I know, <laughs> but obviously no one else is going to participate, so I'm just going to go ahead. I know. Well, yeah, we didn't get a chance. You're too busy belittling cheats. Well, fucking go for it then. <laughs> too too busy crying about how cheats is a victim. Cheats, you had something to say? I was just, you know, possibly thinking design your your own uh, anthology short, but also... Oh, that ha- takes way too long. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> DR had already did that, and I participated, so that gets me the half credit for the class. You have to design your own anthology short, but you purposely have to add something bad into it. I mean... I mean, that's a lot of anthologies. All, all of them. That's the point. <laughs> Because there's so many anthology shorts that are actually just really bad. Yeah, but I don't think we've ever really talked about like our favorite anthology shorts. We've talked about our favorite anthology movies, but like not of our not our favorite specific stories well, out of those. Regardless, movies. it's different. Cheats already asked the question. Let's just move on. Oh, that makes it hard because there are anthologies that have like hit after hit. Oh yeah, you know? and there's ones where half of the anthology should have been put in the trash. That's another good question. For instance, the Twilight Zone movie. Should have just put half that right in the garbage. I mean, honestly, Creepshow 2, like, it's kind of endearing, but really only one of those stories is worth a shit for me. Yeah. I mean, I, di- I just simply disagree. Like, it's 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 a laugh riot. It's fun as fuck. You can't... One? You didn't like... Who? Which one do you like? I like The Raft. The one that D-Hart fucking despises. Interesting. Well, first <laughs> of all, I love The Raft. It's my favorite one of the anthology, so I agree with you. But 
I can't believe you. I can't believe you do Chief Woodenhead that way. Yeah, okay. that one's got fucking Colt, whatever his name is, from Criminal Minds. That was the start of his career. I'd say if you're gonna if you're gonna say like one what one anthology like D Hart was saying that is just banger after banger for stories, it's got to be Trick or Treat. Like Trick or Treat is the movie that every story in it is. Even the original Creep Show, like the last story in that, I don't give a fuck about the mm. the bug story. Yeah, it's it's pretty short. So far as like in the in the scheme, but of the, there are a lot of roaches. Yeah, there. but the thing about that one is that it's it real really gross. bothers cheats, <laughs> and so that I, we can't take it out. Obviously, <laughs> that's the point of it. It's it's the, it's got something for everyone, especially cheats. Maybe the original question should have been, "Let's make an anthology out of good anthology stories from good anthologies." <laughs> so that's your answer. Then, so that's the answer for the made up question because. D Hart asked you a question about a question, so you answered with another question. We have lost anyone that's listening <laughs> at this point. No one is listening. We're actually doing pretty good because this is really similar to how the, one of these movies starts. It's like, goddamn, fucking start already. Because what you're doing right now is not doing it for me. Yeah, we've completely lost the thread, and uh, I'm willing to forego my question of questions to get on with the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, it hurts me. <laughs> Let's just start the show. So welcome to Motion Picture Meltdown. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen the Rose Rosenberg. Phil the Kill Collins. Cheats the Streets McGee. And D-Hart. And D-Hart, you're continuing uh, our horror movie watches with a couple of anthologies that I strangely had never even heard of. Picked, so uh, Terror Eyes from 1989 and The Willies from 1990. I feel like you didn't put uh, enough of a space between Terror and Eyes. Terror, space, eyes. <laughs> yes. Eyes of terror. Yes, that's a pun. You see, they noticed that it sounds like terrorize. Yeah. It's wordplay, and it's right. It's baked right into the title, so you just know this movie is going to be insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if your movie title includes a pun, just... Get the fuck out. You just <laughs> you suck. Just stop right there. So do you want to start with Terrorize since we're yeah, already we might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Chronicologically, it makes sense. From uh from nineteen eighty nine, uh three directors, Eric Parkinson, Michael Reese, and Steve Summers, a frustrated advertising executive is confused to receive a job assignment from her boss to write the screenplay to a horror film. Recruiting the help of her friends, a weekend camping expedition becomes the forum for each to share their scariest stories, which become frightfully real. Yeah, but they don't come become frightfully real. Or do they? They become frightfully illusions, and not real at all. Spoilers. That synopsis also reads out like those things happen in that order, and they fucking don't. No, not at all. Does anything happen in this movie? No. I mean, yeah. Well, tons, all that stuff they just said happens in the movie. In reality, no. <laughs> She gets the uh, assignment. Okay, so there's a writer strike, and uh, this upsets. I'm assuming the devil. Satan's apple because cart. Because there aren't going to be any new horror movies. Like why? Why is the devil so specifically concerned with horror movies made in English? Like it's not like a writer strike is global. You know, like we don't know that we weren't there. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so uh, the uh, part with the ad exec getting the assignment to write a horror movie because there aren't any real writers available. 
I'm I'm assuming this is someone who writes copy. We would assume. I think honestly, the way they do it, they make it seem like her qualification to write this screenplay is that she uses a typewriter, like she knows how. They give you no indication she has any idea how to write a goddamn thing. The plot of the movie is that she doesn't have anything. It's like she hasn't even started. But uh, she's gotten like multiple weeks extension on this project. And uh, unless you're uh, John Hughes, you're probably not going to bang out a, you know, blockbuster hit in a weekend with your friends. So, uh, which, you know, is what it's the reason this movie is uh, terrible. And that's uh, it, that's because this seems to have been written by amateurs. And that <laughs> is confirmed at the end of the movie. Okay, so uh, our main woman in the movie... A lot of people might recognize her from uh, the Mr. Science Theater episode of Soul Taker. Soul Taker. She wrote and directed that, or not, she didn't direct it, but she wrote and starred in it. Yeah, probably nobody uh, has heard of that, but, I mean, maybe you have. <laughs> okay, a lot of people watch Mr. Science Theater. A lot Theater, of people okay? will recognize I'm just, te- I'm just teasing. It clearly, and probably the people who listen to our show, <laughs> if anyone's listening. I... <laughs> I know nothing about this. Well, there you go. Uh, and uh, both these movies honestly belong in Mystery Science Theater because the most fun you can have at these movies is just marveling at the low quality, the overall, the poorness. Soul Taker is, uh, was directed by the same, one of the same directors as this movie as well. And the other uh, notable person in the movie is uh, Daniel Roebuck. Man, there's a real star in this. Yep. Who just most recently was in Rob Zombie's The Munsters. Yeah, he's Grandpa Munster. In that. Well, Daniel Roebuck's been in a lot of shit. He, yeah, he's been all over TV. Yeah, he was in The Fugitive. Um, I also think he was uh, maybe like Agent Shrek or whatever in some movie that we did. Agent Shrek is is from Final Destination. Oh, uh, I that. He might have Shrek been. and Ween are from Final Destination. They're the uh, they're the FBI, I think, yep. that are investigating. Agent Ween. He was he was Ween. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I know that is because my Instagram chat with Zach and Emily is called Shrek and Ween, <laughs> and so I've never been able to forget. Anywho, so I think the first part of this very oddly laid out anthology is a dream, like the first. Part of it that anybody's going to give a shit about. Well, I mean, spoilers are all dreams. Or are they? I'm assuming, yes, that they are all dreams. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> I didn't know if Cheats was going to say it or not. I was I was thinking it, but I chose not to say anything this time. Yeah, I got you. But, yeah, I'm kind of on board with you on that as well, Phil. Because, like, the, the first sequence where she's, like, at the typewriter... And we get we get monster vision of someone like walking down the street. It's like okay, so that maybe this isn't going to have like an actual wraparound story. And then we have like the very first spooky story of like the Book of Life or whatever, which is like a thing that it, like I've seen so many times. Not just in horror, but like other things where it's like okay, there's this book and it tells you everything that's going to happen. But if you try to mess with anything in the book or the book itself, bad stuff happens to you. The very first story is, I don't know if they're supposed to be like Tennessee redneck or like what it is, but that's kind of what, what came to mind. It's just this couple that has one of the funnier lines in the movie, probably the only funny line, which is they're trying to go out on a date and then she's like, hey, you need to take a bath. I don't want you going somewhere smelling. And you're like, we're just going to Bolorama. We're not going to Denny's. I don't have to take a bath. Fucking genius. But honestly, like, I guess good on him for wanting to take a bath, at least for Denny's. 
And I kind of agree with him. In 1989, I promise you would not have been able to smell him in a bowling alley. No <laughs> chance. I don't care how smelly he is. Bowling alleys yeah, were simply made of smoke. Yeah, and Denny's were probably a lot more reputable in 1989 than they are probably now. nicer. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's funny about it is because Denny's was probably a fine, like, it probably, I don't know that this was a joke beat, but everybody knows Denny's is just filled with, oh gosh, how to not say this insultingly, trash humans. Well, I think we can just go ahead and say that nowadays Denny's is the bowling alley of restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Except for without the smoke smell, once again, to cover up how smelly he is. I mean, come on, it's not the Waffle House. Look, they got the Grand, Grand Slam breakfast, and I've, I think they do. Shit, is that is that Waffle House? God damn it. No, no Grand Denny's. Slam Breakfast is still a thing. It is Denny's. No. It's worth a goddamn. It's not terrible, but 99% of what they have there is extremely low rent shit. But of, but again, like you said, in this in 1989, probably Denny's was a was a fine establishment. Even but like only like a, a mere like 4 years later the Simpsons have a bit about it. Be like uh, Ned Flanders says that he would expect this kind of language at Denny's but not here. So clearly it fell off very quickly. But anyhow, so um, they're arguing about going out, and he just clearly isn't going to. Right, he just wants to sit there and, like, fucking chew and drink beer and watch sports. Yeah, He, he wants to sling chaw and tell pussy jokes. Yeah, He does want to because he's a sexual tyrannosaur. <laughs> this brings me, because this is an anthology and we need to move our asses, this brings me to the most important thing of the movie, which is that, or this part of the anthology, which is that Cheats said this was one of those things where the the book is evil and it's like making you it's like making bad things happen and showing you what's going to happen and they're all bad things or whatever. But I don't think that's it because the way they orchestrate it, it makes it seem like the monkey he was cheating, the stuffed monkey that was he was playing against in poker at the coffee table in his house that he was cheating to beat was getting revenge. Because when they leave, it, like, starts moving shit around in the house, like, with telekinesis. It's like, what the fuck? Well, we don't know if that was, that might have just been the book's sense of humor. We don't know what's going on, okay? The cool part about it is that that he tries to destroy the book with uh, fucking acid that he had in his truck for some reason. And, uh... I guess he's an acidist. It ends up killing him and melting his face off. Which is probably one of the better effects in the movie. It's so wild that we watched this movie because, like, I watched this movie uh, this morning, but I watched Hereditary last night. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but there is a very similar scene where she tries to burn a book in it and she throws it in the fucking fire and her husband bursts into fucking flames. And so I was just like, whoa, what are the fucking chances that I watched two horror movies with, honestly, this... The, the book type of trope is kind of regular, but like something like that happening in back-to-back movies is, is pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even so, it's strange that you picked them both suddenly at the same time. Or that they were picked for you in some cases. So yeah, the uh, the way they play it, it looks like it's the, the stuffed animal monkey. Because that's, otherwise, what's the story about? Like, it's just about a guy who just is too lazy to take a bath, and so... Someone delivers him an evil book. Like, what is? What did this guy do? Is it because he chews tobacco? Like, in 1989, that was no crime. It's it's not really anything. It's just simply he he got like an evil book from just some scummy dude. Like, it's just a, a happenstance. They're taking the stranger's approach to it. Of, yeah. Why like, is this happening to me? Because you were home. It's um. <laughs> I guess the the best connection I could actually make it to that like just came to mind is the ring because. 
when he gets this book, some other dude shows up and he's just like, you guys, you guys have my book. I, I really need that book. I really didn't like the end. I just, I need to change something. And when he actually gets the book handed back to him, it doesn't have his name on it anymore. So it's just like, oh, I guess this isn't my book. And he leaves, right? <laughs> just shady as fuck. Right. And it's like, it, that reminds me of The Ring because if you watch the tape, the only way to not be cursed is to have someone else watch the tape, right? No, I think in the ring, everyone who watches the tape is cursed. Yeah, if you watch the tape, you die in the ring. You're thinking yeah. of a well, different Well, I'm movie. sorry. You're, You're thinking, thinking of, of It, it follows. follows. Jinx! You can uh, subvert the curse by making copies of the tape so other people can get the curse. I, I'm I'm specifically also thinking of the Japanese version of the ring. Oh, okay, yeah. That's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah that's the one where they have to make the yeah. copies. Yeah, it's a little different. But yeah, it follows us the same way. Yeah. There's a moral to those stories. In this one, it seems like the guy is just cursed, just cause no fucking reason, because he doesn't, because he's stinky and he cheats at cards on against a monkey. You know, honestly, I'm okay with that happening, just cause, because like a lot of times, I like with horror stuff. If it's not connected to anything, it's just something horrible that happened to a person instead of like, your your blood is cursed or just some shit like that. I'm more okay with that. But you know what? None of it matters because it was all a dream. And uh, it's like, man, this would be good for her movie, but she can't remember it. And he is extremely unhelpful. And her husband is uh, Dana Roebuck, who, uh, the guy that delivered the book in the previous segment. And uh, tomorrow they're going on a big camping trip with all their friends. Including the one who played in the story as the guy who was cursed to get acid on his face and melted to death. That she was married to in the dream, but now she is. I, I find it in- interesting that she didn't happen to mention. She's like, you were just a salesman in my dream. And it's like, yeah, but then who were you married to? Who were you fucking? Well, anyway, uh, that got, I think the next story is uh, it's that the following night. Uh, Daniel Roebuck goes off into the woods to take a piss. And he is killed and replaced by a devil version of himself. Who uh, is very excited to uh, try to get her some kind of ideas for her fucking movie. <laughs> so uh, the first story was... Uh, yeah, all of a sudden the husband goes from um, being not concerned at all whether or not she gets it done. In a very like, just you'll figure it out kind of way. And now all of a sudden he's extremely invested in whether or not she's really going to come up with a plot. So he's gone from, you know, you'll get it eventually to, why aren't you working on my fucking movie? Like, As devils do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The first story is a guy that gets stuck in a time loop. He owes a bunch of money to some bookie. So <laughs> he uh, has to break into that bookie's house to steal... Uh, jewels from his wife but he's really just being set up for her murder yep and and for his murder too so um it's happy death day it's just happy death day but as a short in a horror movie you know 20 years 30 years before happy death day came out we never made it through that sequel we watched about 20 minutes of it and it's supposedly better than the original but we just couldn't Uh, kind of i mean steven couldn't do it If if it was for the podcast, I would have watched I, it. I also wasn't really a fan of the first no, one. No, I know, but I just mean, like, the second one was supposed to be better. Like, it got better reviews. But, yeah, I guess this isn't really like that, except for that the time loop is triggered by her by his death, and that, um, of course, he figures it out how to fix it pretty fast. He Yeah, he never dies. The, the time loop is um, the hallway in the movie theater that's in the basement. I kind of halfway like this one, but I think the kindest thing I can really say about it is, like, 
I'd like to see it done differently or done better, really. I kind of like that, you know, he's just kind of like a two-bit scummy, like, crook. And the fact that, like, he's being set up for it and he slowly realizes what's happening. Because, like, his whole thing is, like, the plan is he sneaks into the house, he steals the jewels, she's not supposed to be home, but he establishes an alibi by going to a movie theater. So, like, he makes kind of an ass of himself by, like, talking to different people. Then he sneaks down through the basement that goes out in the alley. He has, he puts something in the way of the door so that it closes, or it doesn't close all the way so he can get back in. So when he goes to the house, sees something, something is wrong, goes back to the movie theater, goes back up through it, day resets, it's now morning the next day before he, he goes to the track. And so he, he does this a couple times in order to kind of figure out everything. Which amazingly, for how much of a dumbass this guy actually seems like, he figures out what the whole plan is, like, pretty quickly. And I'm not sure if that's supposed to be, like, points for him actually being, like, uh, perceptive, or if it's just because this is an anthology and we need to get through this next story. Yeah, he ran over in time anyway. The real reason. But anyway, so he makes his successful run, uh, the bookie kills his wife, he kills the bookie, gets the jewels, and he thinks, oh, well, I'm not going to reset the time loop this time. He takes the thing out of the door, and then he gets hit by a cop. He just happened to be driving by. A cab. And uh, he's uh, trying to scramble towards the door, but he doesn't make it. And uh, uh, that's the end of the story. It's like, oh, I bet you didn't know that I was a murderer. It's like, he went to jail. He served his time. He's fine now. Yeah, he he went to prison and served his time. He hasn't killed anyone in a long time. And this makes me very curious how long this is supposed to be. Because, one, in the flashback, the guy looks older. Um, I think it's just, like, his facial hair he has is not kind to him. And, two, if he went to prison for murder, how long has this been? Because I feel like he's going to be still in prison. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter because this whole... Th- this whole movie is a big fucking dream. How long you're in jail for murder depends on what the actual murder charge was. It could be it could be 10 years, depending on what the murder was. I mean, he could have pleaded down to manslaughter, probably. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he could have killed a motherfucker, but then just pretty fucking much got away with it. But yeah, um, you know, once he's served his time, we can't, we can't give him shit anymore, right, guys? And also, it's a dream. Even though he count. killed someone? He can kill as many people as you want in dreams. I mean, I'm not going to give him shit anyway. <laughs> yep. The dude that that got killed had it coming anyway. I don't I don't give a shit. So we get to like the last story here, and this one amuses me because there there is some like real world connections of like actual video game developers now uh, that I can make connections to with this. But this lady is like, oh, you remember my cousin? She's really good at good at chess, and then. Uh, it jumps to, like, that story. And the whole bit with this lady is that, like, she is, like, a, like a world champion for chess, but the other thing is she uses a lot of her uh, her spare time and money to protest against this guy who is, like, I think it's, like, the Rubenstein brothers who are just making video games that she says are, like, way too violent and, like, are, uh, like, rotting people's minds and things like that. And initially... Well, I mean, uh, you cut to the guy playing his own game and uh, it gives him like a his total at the end worth uh, fifteen murders, fifteen rapes. Yeah, high score. This is I wanted to mention this. Okay, so um, they introduce her character, and she's just won a chess championship, and they're like interviewing her outside of the chess championship courtroom steps, and uh, they're like, "Well, 
because everybody gives a fuck about like there's always 15 you know fucking reporters outside of the chess championship well she is the first she's supposed to be the uh, first female uh chess world champion so that being the first female anything usually just still does not get you a swarm of reporters but regardless um because you know the media the patriarchy anyways um he she's coming down the steps and they're asking her like so why are you like blowing up this company's spot right now about how shitty of people they are and she's just like well i think their video games are too violent and fucked up and Y'all, nobody should be playing them, and I'm not going to take money from them because I don't, I don't believe in their whole deal. And they offered to sponsor me, and I said no. And I was, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, God, I hate it when people are like, video games are too violent, blah blah blah, like it's going to fuck up your mind, whatever. And then it cuts to the fucking game, and it's literally 15 murders and 15 rapes. Like that's the only two like measurements by which you gain success in this Atari game. And I'm like, uh, oh, fuck. I kind of agree now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I won't go into like specific details of who uh, the story is about, but let's just say I know somebody that uh, works with uh, has worked with Department of Child Services mm-hmm. and um, went to a house where a four year old was playing Grand Theft Auto and throwing people off of a roof. <laughs> yeah, come on, that's not the same thing at all. <laughs> I mean. It, it's not, but also a four-year-old shouldn't be playing Grand Theft Auto. Well, regardless, nobody should be playing a game where the only two things that are you're measuring the game by, especially whenever the game... Honestly, it looks kind of amazing for an Atari game. I'll just say it. Well, it's not an Atari game. It's like an old PC game. Regardless, it's got Atari-style graphics. Like, the extremely limited color palette, basically just blocks moving around on the screen. Like Yeah, so the guy has her kidnapped, and... Basically puts her through like a like a death maze for her to actually escape, and the reason why I was saying this reminds me of of like actual like video game developers right now. It's not been proven that anyone from like say Ubisoft or or EA has like actually had like someone put in a death trap, right? But like both of those companies have like a bunch of allegations against them. Uh, Bobby Kotick in in general like threatened to have someone killed because like. They just like didn't didn't do what he wanted to do, and of course he was like, "Well, I wasn't actually gonna have them killed." And there's also just like a bunch of stuff with Ubisoft where like they keep protecting like people that are just actual like rapists and sexual harassers in their company and stuff like that. So it's like without being too much of a downer, there's me watching this and just being like, "Huh, it's it's the year 2022." And honestly, if I saw a news article all of a sudden where you know one of these assholes put someone through a death maze, wouldn't be surprising. Even a little bit. Well, it's not just a death maze, Cheats. It is a... Um, God, what did I think that this was similar to? I was watching it last night, and I was like, oh, this is just like in this movie. And then it twists and becomes the most dangerous game. Regardless, she's having to solve riddles. She's basically having to fight against the Riddler. Um, but he's but he's also watching it play out as a video game somehow, like on his screen, like his death maze is tied to a video the, game. The game, I say in air quotes, is that like he has her in a room initially and she has to roll dice and she rolls a two six sided die and if she ever gets snake eyes, like she just wins, supposedly. But every time that she doesn't get that, she has to read what the card is and then like escape from this danger room. So initially it's like cyanide gas. 
And then it's a dog chasing her down the hallway. But if she makes a wrong turn, it will just go into a room. We don't see what it is that kills her. Then she goes into another room where it's a pit that drops down into like a bunch of water so she would drown. Um, she has to hold herself on the wall. And then whenever she gets out of that, she comes out into this town in this cage. And at this point, um, he's just like, well, the game's over. Uh, the only thing that's going to happen now is I have a gun, you don't. It's like an Old West-type town. And he's like, I'm the sheriff, I'm bringing the law kind of thing. Uh, he's just like, you have five minutes to hide, and then I'm going to come out, and justice will be served. You've got six minutes to use this already made set that we are giving you access to to shoot this segment of the film exactly just things taking place in the old west for no fucking reason why would this be the old west at his house or whatever the fuck the only thing i can think of is because um never mind i was gonna say this reminds me of like it could be like custer's revenge as far as like an old video game goes but honestly that'd be too clever for this segment if they actually connected it to an actual i don't think anybody would have known about custer's revenge yeah exactly that's one of the things about this segment that was i don't know why it distracted me probably because i'm a fucking nerd but because i was just like there's no way in hell that a company that's making custer's revenge style games would be sponsoring anyone for anything. Like, they're that's the low hangingest, fruit of fucking game company that exists that makes those type of shit. No one would care at all about this company. Nobody's buying the game where it's your success is measured in rates. Yeah, I mean, because obviously it wasn't profitable. <laughs> if, the, if it had been profitable, more people would have been doing that type of thing. Exactly. And no one really was. And those games are really rare. And there weren't very many copies made because they're stupid and poorly made. With this particular like story in, in this anthology, again, I don't, I'm not too terribly bothered by the like subject. It's more like the nicest thing I could say is like I could see someone being able to do this better. What actually bothered me most about this one is of the stories that's shown in this, it's the one that completely lacks any sort of like supernatural element to it, which. Seems like it kind of goes against the rest of the stuff, right? Because, like, the first one's about the the um, book of life that tells you the things. And then our wraparound story is that this demon that may or may not be Satan is, like, causing hallucinations and things to happen because he wants stories made. And then, like, we have the... Um, we have the time loop that's in the second one, which could be, you know, more sci-fi instead of, like... Um, like supernatural, but it still is like a, an element that is like not grounded in any sort of realism. And we have this, and as silly as this death maze is, it still is a thing that could actually be made. So it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like it meshes with the other stories too. Well, it's science fiction cheats because a, a woman could never beat a man at chess. Ah, there we go. Well, did you hear about the, uh, the, uh, chess? Yes, the. Oh, the anal beads. There you go. Chess cheating. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't have had the wireless technology at the time, but if you had a long enough wire, yeah, <laughs> yeah nobody would be, sus- would be suspicious of that at all. Yeah, it could have just been a cord going up your ass. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you have it come up the back of your pants into your shirt where you've got the rest of the, you know, the, the unit, if you will. <laughs> yeah, so that's a thing. A guy apparently had fucking anal beads up his ass that were telling him how to cheat using a wireless connection to a computer. We don't know that for certain. That was a joke that... I think it started off as a joke, 
and then it became more serious. It started off as a joke on, on yeah, on Reddit, and then there were some people that took it. Yeah, from, but they did scan somebody's ass before they entered a chess tournament. After the fact. No, I mean, he got a scan all over. It wasn't just, like, his ass. Just the asshole. An asshole scan. Plus, we don't know how we don't know how strong those scanners are. they got to be able to penetrate the flesh. Because if it's in there, it's in there, you know? You didn't know that before going into a chess tournament, you have to get a colonoscopy? Yeah, I did not know that. They make you take a big shit right before you go in. They're like, poop out the contents of your colon. <laughs> There's not even a curtain. <laughs> yeah, but what if you swallowed the the cheating device earlier, like right that morning? It wouldn't be in your colon yet. They give you laxatives. Being a chess being a chess master is really shitty. Literally. Well, that's why they make you throw up too. It's really unpleasant. You got to earn that master title. Well, anyway, so uh, I think it's after this one where uh, the this demon reveals himself. It's like you better fucking remember this goddamn time. <laughs> I killed your husband. <laughs> Ah! Right. Yeah, and then he he kills all of her friends. It's like, you better remember this. But, like, the way he kills them is like, it's not even fun. It's like he, like, flings his hands out and there's a gunshot noise and then they have, like, squibs blow up on him. He's got finger guns. Well, I mean, yeah, finger guns <laughs> is funny, but also he's the fucking devil. Like, make people explode. Do you, do you know what's amazing about this ending? It's extremely the end of Wax... What was that uh, movie called? Wax, not so. Waxwork. Was it Waxwork? Yeah, that's Waxworks too, yeah. The one that got a sequel where they traveled through time and it had literally yeah. nothing to do with wax. Yeah. Yeah, so in Waxwork, they got to the end of the movie when they were producing it and they just ran out of money. So they just had a fucking massive melee at the end. Like, that was the ending, was that they just all fought. And that's what this was. He was just like, pow, 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 kew, 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 kew. And it's like, all oh, the guys are dead. It's a 1989 student film. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold know? up. You 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 can't say that because you liked it a lot less than I did. <laughs> I'm still gonna. And we didn't even know it was a student film until we started recording. Just because I'm defending the actual factual like portion of it doesn't mean I like the film. But I can't understand that they're not going to have exploding bodies whenever well, it's a fucking no, 1989. They, they could do something film. more clever though. Yeah, I mean, sure, he could have stabbed him with a sword, but you'd be bitching about the same thing. Cheats is right. Cheats is right. This ending sucks ass. It's tacked the fuck on. You didn't like the uh, mine machine gun for the very last guy? So that would have been a lot funnier if that's how he killed all of them in one go. Because, like, he waited till the end for just the one dude. Lost its appeal. The problem is we got a really cool body melt earlier with acid. And we needed a better payoff at the end of this movie. Like, if you're going to put the acid melt there, then you need to explode one of these motherfuckers. Like, just do it. Stop being a baby. Fill a water balloon. Blow with... up your friends. Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> Come on, do it. Pump it up. The stuff in the in the death maze, uh, the old west town at the end aside, most of that's good as far as like props and stuff, as far as what they would have access to. Again, these are all student films. Dude, my favorite part was that the video game was estimating her um, oh her IQ her IQ yeah. as it moved as she moved through the game, and it was like if she beat the first one, that means she's got at least one hundred and twenty five IQ. But if she beats the second one, one hundred and fifty IQ, and it's like no, this game sucks, and this is inaccurate. Like what? I mean, I guess it's just a oh, but it's Philip, only a it's game. It's kind of like a. I don't know if you guys play any games on your cell phone that advertise other games, and it's like 99% of people can't figure out this sup, this fucking simple fuck goddamn thing. 
I, can you? It's like, of course I can fucking figure it out. I'm, God damn it, I, I almost downloaded that. <laughs> Just to prove that I can fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the bait, and obviously, yeah, it's, they're just suckering you. If in. you take it, that proves you're one of the ninety nine percent. Yeah, that's what's so funny about the whole thing. So it's like if you if you honestly are fooled by this, you're one of them. You're a you're one of the huddled masses. <laughs> Anyways, so terrorize. You know, it's not that bad. There is a little bit at the end. He wakes. She wakes up. Uh, her husband's fine. She was just fell asleep while he was going to pee in the woods and a film is released and it's a huge hit and she doesn't know where the ideas came from the end (laughs) she's doing an interview at the end and she's like oh i i don't know where the ideas came from it's like okay if you asked her like the next day after she got done writing it and she, she was like well you've put me on the spot no she's on a fucking talk show she didn't think about this before she got there. Like, what are you going to say? Because th- what's the point? Why are they? What do you think that they're bringing you on for? Lazy. How about them Willies? The Williams, with a much more prestigious cast of Sean Astin, of apparently Goonies fame, according to the movie. The Willies is is a strange movie because I feel like it's one that I would have seen and should have seen as a child, but I never did. Or never heard of it. It's extremely Are You Afraid of the Dark. Yes. I mean, it's definitely something that would work more. Yeah, it's not going to be entertaining to you if if, if if you're my age. This isn't for you. I can tell you that Also, shit. it's directed by Brian Peck, who uh, our listeners would know as Scuzz from Return of the Living Dead. The, uh, the main punker dude who's always talking about how shitty everything is and get the fuck away from me and... You know, treating trash like trash. <laughs> let's let's smoke cigarettes in the graveyard against the man. It's probably the reason why uh, Clue Gulliger is also in the movie because he was uh, he was one of the uh, guys that you need a medical soci- <laughs> supplies. Yes, he is. And um, this movie was the one I was talking about that had the extremely befuddling pacing because we get like rapid fire extremely stupid segments here at the very beginning of this one. And I'm like, God damn, if it's going to be like this, I can't stand this. There are two segments before the opening title. That's what I'm saying. I don't really consider the opening, the opening ones as mm-hmm. segments. Like I wouldn't No, I didn't, I didn't either after the fact, no, but like, like many when I was watching this. them, I was like, Oh shit, is this all of it? Like, it's just going to be like 50 of these. I'm going to shoot myself. Right. And, uh, Really, there's only two main segments in the movie. Yeah. Which is odd for an anthology. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen an anthology with just two segments. Well, it, it's genius, actually, because there's there's always a third one that's a piece of shit. Or a fourth one, even. Well, there's two evil eyes. I, I congratulate them on not including whichever one got cut. Or they just cut them down to tiny length and the, like to just, like, the payoff where she bites into the rat. It's like, there it is. Steven, have you ever watched Two Evil is Eyes? Is that the Edgar Allan Poe one? Vaguely, I think. I mean, uh, there's a black cat in it. Yeah. Or a black cat, a version of the black cat for, uh, by uh, Argento. It's Argento and Romero. Yeah, okay. Yes, I have seen it. It's been a long time. Uh, but that's a much better movie than this. Is. Yeah, yeah. It's, o- it's only the two segments, and they aren't connected anyway. 
It's just like two 45-minute movies. Yeah, that's a, that's a double feature. It's not. It's almost not an anthology. This one, I think, honestly, I think they added those two little pieces at the beginning just so someone wouldn't be like, this ain't no motherfucking anthology. This only got two pieces. Yeah, it's it's very odd. Gots to have at least three. Well, you can't get the willies from just two stories. It's true. You got to warm up your willies, if you will. <laughs> so this movie is an hour and a half long, and... Counting the three like rapid fire movies and one of the, or I'm sorry, three rapid fire segments, and then one of the two main segments, those are all shown in the first like 45 minutes. No, no, no. I'm sorry, not 45, like 35 minutes, because the very last se- section goes for so fucking long. Yeah, it's a long segment. Is almost an hour. Well, it's the most fucked up one, I think. <laughs> it is, but also it's the one that I I don't like. <laughs> So it's it drags. It drags so much. Did we mention that um, Doug Benson is in this movie? He's uh, one of the zombies in the uh, second rapid fire. He's in tons of shit. I recognize him from a bunch of stuff. He was in. Um, he's done a lot of TV stuff for the most part. Well, you wouldn't recognize him from this because he's all covered up in makeup. He's one of the zombies, I think. No, or- I didn't know he was in it, but I'm seeing him now in the cast of characters. But. Um, He's a famous voice actor, for sure, but he's also done some live roles as well. But anyways, I just wanted to mention he was in it. I recognized Bill Irwin, who's the, the old man, and he's uh, he's in Home Alone. He's the, the old man who uh, Kevin's mom tries to, like... Bu- My wife's already got plenty of hoop earrings. <laughs> yep, <Yeah>, that guy. <laughs> Dangly ones. Dangly ones, yeah. There's a lot of that guy. Oh, it's that guy. Dude. There's a lot of that in this movie. Yeah, there is. There's quite a bit of that. Uh, okay, so the first one is a woman that orders some fried chicken. And for some reason, she gets a whole fried rat. Who cares? Yeah. Second one uh, is a uh, is he's the uh, the old man with the dangly earrings. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and uh, he is on a haunted house ride. That gets a little too scary for him when he sees uh, old Farmer Farmer Hackett, who's ready to whack it. <laughs> whack it, I guess, means your dick because he's he uh, well, he takes an axe and he uh, he's aiming for the crotchal area. He's gonna cut your dick off, Larry. In between the legs, like to the chair. But this is enough to kill this old man. And uh, then there's a uh, another familiar face. I can't remember what her fucking name is, but. I often uh, confuse her with Carol Kane. Uh, Kimmy Robertson, the ride operator. Oh yes, that's her. Yeah, she's uh, she's done some shit. Just another one. Of, oh, yeah, she's done. She's been a little. She was in one of the worst movies of all of time, Speed Two: C- Cruise Control. One of the biggest boondoggles in the history of mankind. Oh, before we get too much further than this, we should mention the main wraparound story is. These three kids uh, telling scary stories like out in the woods in a tent. They're not even out in the woods. They're in the backyard in a tent like three feet from their house. I thought it was like the woods proper. No, it shows It shows the... Uh... No, it's because Sean Astin's dad comes right out of the house right, right at the end. True, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Also, the cover for this movie is pretty sweet. It almost looks like, uh, like Drew Struzan art, almost. It's certainly... Um better than this movie deserves but i think that's kind of the that's kind of the theme of the movie like it just (laughs) it has some things that it simply didn't it wasn't owed sean astin or doug benson doug benson doesn't even do anything 
<laughs> I thought the, the kid looked familiar. The the little kid who plays uh, mm-hmm. Josh is um, Homer from Near Dark, the like kid vampire. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So this movie, this is one of those things where it's like, I have to assume somebody called in some fucking favors for this because why the fuck is Sean Astin in this in 1990? After he's been in a fucking Steven Spielberg movie. Like, why? Yeah, I mean, he was certainly just padding his resume. And he probably knows the, the guy. Exactly. Wrote, this is a fucking movie. favor. This is a favor. Period. No way in hell. And he doesn't have to do anything in a movie except for talk. Yeah, it's not a hard thing for him to do. I'm not saying that. I just mean, like, it doesn't deserve him. He's a he's fucking Samwise Gamgee, goddammit. God damn it. I'm just saying. He was a good actor then. Anywho, is this around the time that he did... Uh, when, <laughs> when did he make that movie that got cut out of the original... Or that we lost in the Bacon cast, the first Bacon cast? Whitewater uh, Summer. Oh, Whitewater Summer. Whitewater Summer was... That was in 1987, so... But I just remember him looking about this age, close to it. And this, I'm sure, was filmed earlier than 1990, I'm sure. Aside from Whitewater Summer and The Goonies, he really wasn't in any like major roles or anything up to this point. Yeah, aside, like, aside from one of the most famous movies of all time, he wasn't in any major roles where he was the main character of that movie. Besides that... Are you talking about Rudy? No, Rudy was way later. Rudy was like... Really? No, I'm talking about fucking Goonies. The other actors in The Goonies, most of them didn't do shit after The Goonies. They weren't the main fucking character. I mean, Sean Essen has not had that big of a career, dude. Like, he's been in some, like, bit, he, he was in the Lord of the Rings movies, and he was in Stranger Things, but, like, it's not like he's an A-list talent, or ever has been. I'm just gonna have to go on ahead and disagree with you there. I would I would think by 19-whatever-the-fuck Goonies came out, no, Steven dude. Spielberg was no longer hiring shitty talent for his movies. Like, I... Well, Spielberg didn't do the Goonies. Richard Donner did the Goonies. Yes, but he fucking... He was executive producing it. He produced a lot of shit. He produced fucking Batteries Not Included. Like, Are you talking shit about Batteries Not Included now? What the fuck is going on? I'm just saying that it's not a big movie. Like, The Goonies probably, like... I don't think Sean Astin was ever going to blast off into superstardom from The Goonies. Like, I, get, I guess we're just going to have to agree to D. I feel like besides The Goonies, Lord of the Rings... Okay, so uh, the first story is one that Sean Astin tells. He tells the first story about... A, it's a story that his dad told him where a, uh, a kid is bullied at school, which uh, I don't think happens. You don't think bullying happens or this kid was bullied? No, uh, bullying, bullying's a myth. But anyway, so uh, wow. this, guy get, this kid gets hung up by a fucking uh, a, a, like emergency water hose. Dude, this fire hose is hardcore. And also, these kids are clever as shit. To, to rig this up where he's hanging from the ceiling. Like, it's pretty smart. It totally worked. It would have worked, I think. Really, it would have. I am very confused all around about the setup for the school and the age of these characters. Because it is explicitly said that it's an elementary school. And I feel like the main character is supposed to be maybe, like, maybe fourth grade. And I feel like the kids that are picking on him are, like... Maybe around the same age, but they all dress and act like they're high schoolers. Yeah, because they're cool. Yeah, and also, <laughs> like, the way that the school... And maybe this is just because this is, like, a larger school in a different state, and I'm just pulling off of, like, my, my own stuff of what I've seen. But it's, like, the elementary school also has, like, lockers and stuff, and it's just, like... It very much seems like this is supposed to be, 
like middle to high school range. And we've just aged all of the characters down, and there's just something about it that feels off to me. I could see that, Cheats, but also you you are pulling from your own personal experience because there are no standards when it comes to what a school has or does not have, especially in the U.S. Like, we just... Yeah. Some schools are just abandoned other thing, and they just made it into a school now. Like... There's all, I mean, there's nothing, there's no, like, there's a standard for, like, cleanliness and, like, school lunches and, like, standardized testing, but beyond that, it could have anything in it. Like, there's no fucking way to know. Also, one of these kids had a fucking mullet mullet from hell. Yeah. Uh, that was my connection between these two movies, aside from the anthology, is because there was, there was a couple, couple mullets in the other movie, too. Yeah. The book in particular had a... Yeah. This one has a few. Yeah, so, like, he gets, he's, this kid's getting picked on by, like... These are the bullies, and there's this janitor dude, um, I'm sorry, he's the custodian, which should use the official title there, is like, you know, oh man, you know, it really sucks you're getting picked on, uh, don't worry, nothing bad will happen to you as, as long as I'm here. And then the kid goes to uh, class, and... And his teacher's the worst. His teacher just fucking hates him. <laughs> like, like, she's watching people just, like, do, like, stuff they shouldn't be doing, and if he, like... Is like, hey, teacher, this happened. She's just like, well, you're just a little piece of shit. Like, she's <laughs> the funny actually... thing is, is there are teachers like this, yes. especially uh, older ones. Yeah, like mon 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 monsters. Specific older teachers, I remember in in uh, middle school and high school, like specifically hated students. Yes, like sometimes for no fucking reason. Obviously, class clowns got hated by teachers, but I specifically remember some teachers just being complete fucking assholes to, yeah. to, to just particular students. There's a reason why Another Brick in the Wall was a big hit. It starts off with the... Uh, <laughs> when they were going to school, there were certain teachers that would just verbally attack children, <laughs> which is I, I think was pretty common. Because they didn't want to be yeah. there. Yeah. Still kind of is, probably. Because there's not really... There's not exactly a huge line of people waiting to become teachers. We are deficient in the number of teachers we have. So, yeah. They have to keep the shitty ones, too. So he has to go to the bathroom. Um, he, he goes to the bathroom. And he, like opens well initially he opens like the supply closet door because it's unlocked for some reason well hold on first he has to get in there like like squeezing past the uh cart and uh opens the supply closet because like initially he like checks the stall notices that the stall's all fucked up opens the supply closet and then he sees the custodian's like body from like the neck down and he's just like what the hell and then this monster, of course, pops up out of the uh, other stall. Like, so he flips out because there's a monster in the bathroom. So he runs back to class. He's just like, "There's a monster in the bathroom. Uh, it's super scary. I can't be in there." Because like he's you know he's a little kid, right? And like the teacher keeps saying that he's just being disruptive because she just hates hates him for some reason. So she goes to the and he pissed himself a little. Yes, yeah. which I mean. Yeah, like there's a scary ass monster, and you're fucking a fourth grader. There were urinals. You didn't need to go in a stall, kid. <laughs> uh, so she goes to the bathroom with him, and she goes in there, and she's like, "There's nothing in here. Uh, you're just like causing a scene. All you kids are bad." And then the vent above her pops open, and the monster just pulls her up into the vent and just 
sprays blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. She's dead. And this kid initially is just like... Like, it's really funny seeing the thoughts, like, go in, in order. Because initially he's just like, oh my god, this is so scary. And then he goes back to the classroom... And the boys start making fun of him. And he's like, well, she died in the bathroom. And the boys are just like, no, that didn't happen. And you can just see the gears click in place of him just being like, if I take these these boys to the bathroom, they're going to get fucking eaten. Yeah, it's, it's straight up creep show. Yes. Whenever, uh, whenever they find the crate and then he decides to leave his fucking insufferable wife to... Yeah, it's the crate. Uh, to the mo- monster that fucking... The, you, know. you know what? I think his, his wife seemed like fun. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking bet. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's just because that's just because you love being belittled. It's a, it's your kink. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't have the reason to, to be delitt- belittled. So, so there. Listen, Dehart, we can belittle you for the rest of this podcast if you want. Uh, my I'm, friend. What I'm saying <laughs> is, I don't think she would have been that hard on me because I don't deserve it. Oh, I see. I'm not a, I'm not her loser husband. Uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I see. Okay. I mean, Dehart might be on to a point. But from her perspective, you might have been her loser husband. I wouldn't be the loser. Is he a loser? I can't even remember. <laughs> and it's that kind of it's it's that kind of thinking that would keep me from being belittled. It's true. That's why bullying isn't real. <laughs> I don't know if he's a loser so much as that he's just been completely emotionally broken down from years of an abusive, a verbally abusive marriage. But you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you become a loser as a result of being told that you're a loser for twenty straight years. That happens. That's a real <laughs> if thing. You, if you put your foot down and say so, um, no, then that stops. <laughs> well, he did put his foot down, didn't he? By sicking a monster on uh, it. Yeah, he put it down her throat, apparently. <laughs> it, it's simple. You just don't accept that. If someone says, you suck, you're just like, no, I don't. Yep. Okay, cheats. Does, does, it's positive <laughs> thoughts only. That's how it works. You <laughs> yes. just think positive. Yes, good vibes only, cheats. <laughs> I fucking know. Also, uh, yeah, it's just the crate. Yeah. It's essentially just the crate. So, and. My favorite part of this segment was when this little uh, shithead's mom comes looking for him, and the custodian tells her what a shithead her kid is. Well, that right that's that's face. at a different school, so like the the bullies all get killed, and like right. part of this, it's just different bullies. It's the same same assholes, really. It's the same same. Yeah, person. he he's just a monster that goes around like killing bullies, which is good. good. Yeah, fuck those little kids. Uh, I really like the. Uh, there's an effect where he's a. Uh, He's in his monster form, and he's putting his human skin back on. And uh, there's like a separate prosthetic for the uh, where he's he's got the top half of the the mask or his human mask on, and he's got uh, the bottom uh, pushed out over his snout, his monster snout. It's a really good effect. It's a nice little uh, effect there, I think. Yeah, I thought so too. The payback to bullies story is in a shit ton of anthologies. Yeah. I mean, it is... Well, of course it is. If you're writing a short story about horrible things happening, you want them to happen to the people who picked on you when you were little. Because, honestly, fuck those motherfuckers. It's just a variation on the revenge story. If you were a bully... They just become cops. (laughs) They literally do. I personally know multiple bullies who became cops. It's like... Just execute them in in, mid, in middle school or, or whatever this is, elementary school. It's fine. Fuck those kids. Yeah. This... <laughs> Just to be clear, Philip is not. He is he is not in support of another Columbine. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not in support of that because that was fairly indiscriminate. It seemed like it seemed like most of the people that were being killed in that were just simply popular. I, I'm not. I'm not like, going to say anything about death, but I will say that there are some shithead bullies that. 
They just need a good ass whipping. Or a good... And, they need to be eaten by monsters. Yeah. I mean, or, yeah. or eaten by monsters. If monsters were real, they should eat balloons. One of those, one of those two things. So one other thing that's noteworthy about this part of the segment is... Or this part of this anthology is that there's an uncommon amount of children peeing their pants. It happens like six times, it feels like. It's, it's, it's brought up a lot. It's like, why are we... Well, it it's only happens twice... But that's uh, that's more than you really want. Yeah. Because when I see a kid pee himself on film, I think of Clown House, and it's like, oh, that guy was a clown ass. Mm-hmm. Probably clown. got off on that kid peeing his pants. That's what was. Yeah, I was like, was it more. There's more kids pissing their pants. Do you mean? Do you mean Fun House? No, Clown House. What? No, not Clown. What? I've never seen Clown House. I've seen cl- it's a. Uh, what the fuck is that guy's name? The guy did Jeepers Creepers. This is the movie that got him busted. Oh, the Pederass. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't watched that and never. Oh, podcast just got awkward. All right, so um, we'll move on to the next segment that does not include any children peeing their pants. No. I also while we're on this, I want to reiterate that this entire movie is really in line with like Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, oh, for sure. It's very much kind of like a kid's horror movie. I mean, it came out pretty close to when Are You Afraid of the Dark did, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, 1990, that would have been like around... I mean, Are You Afraid of the Dark's probably 92 or 3 or 4. Uh, no, 90, 1990 to 96. Damn, I didn't know it was playing as early as 1990. Of course, I guess I didn't have... I think that was on Nickelodeon, which I never had access to. So I might have just not heard of it yet. So, our next segment, um, I think, is the one with the kid who's obsessed with pulling wings off of flies. Yeah, it's Donkey Lips from Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, everybody knows the classic character Donkey Lips. He's much more famous than Sean Astin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're about the same, number one. Uh, number two, Pretty much. apparently this dude is like uber fucking right wing MAGA, like crazy person now, by the uh, way. Really? Have you seen a modern photo of him? I have, yeah. He looks exactly the same. But with a beard. Yeah. Yes. It's well, a, now I kind of got to see this. It's pretty weird. Uh, got to get a peek at that warlock. Well, the character name is Gordy. That's what the fuck? He does look <laughs> the exact same. How do you look fifty and twelve at the same yeah. time, bro? I, I don't know, but apparently this guy is like straight up like <laughs> lost his fucking marbles now. So just another fifty uh, twelve year old. Donkey Lips plays Gordy. Uh, a super fucking weird kid. Yeah, okay? I'm not. I'm not victim blaming or any bullshit on this one. This kid is a weirdo. I mean, I don't think it's victim blaming to call him a shithead. <laughs> Amongst all of the weirdness that could be going on with him, it's weird that he pulls the wings off of flies. That's weird. Like that's like proto psychopath shit, where you're torturing even an insect to torture it. And keep it alive is it's fucked up. And then use them like, to use them to like make little dioramas. Use them in his, with. In his dioramas. I got no problem with the dioramas. Yes, that is the that is where he hits the ramp for weirdness. No, I disagree. Goes off into nowhere. I like it. I think like, I think if he's gonna at least he's using them for something besides just putting them in raisin containers and cookies. He's cultivating <laughs> flies. In his room, he needs them for his, he needs them for his uh, for his artwork, man. For the purpose of taking them down to the basement, where he takes the wings off and then he glues them to this fucking diorama. This is dude, the church one with shit. the dead dead fly Jesus. Yes, there's a dead fly Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I 
gets crucified on the fucking cross. No. Dude, that's 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 fucking funny. I like that. Well, did you see the whole but, scene? It is there's a little funeral. There's people. Uh, uh, no, yeah, exactly. Like there's, it's yeah. a full blown scene. There's flies in pews. I I kind of love it, but honestly, like the cool part of the story is that this kid honestly thinks these flies would be like on his side. Like he doesn't understand that he's torturing them, like at all. It doesn't register in his mind. He's a clear psychopath. <laughs> like it's kind of hard to to like know why i mean he's obviously nobody likes him at school but like his dad is his dad's an asshole yeah his mom seems to be his dad's right though yeah it's not well okay so but he might be behaving this way as a response to his dad telling him he's a fat piece of shit every single day yeah that's that's true his mom does seem to be nice nicer to him much nicer his mom is a piece of shit for just letting him get berated every single goddamn day and doing nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. She does make his favorite fried chicken, though. Thanks, Mom. Or was it he likes fried chicken. chicken? Yes! God <laughs> damn it, D-Heart. <laughs> Came in there with a slide into the fucking home plate. Just beat, it, beat the tag. It's really hard to say. Because like, his dad is definitely like verbally abusive. But it is also this kind of weird of like... Is he that way because his dad... Is verbally abusive, or is he super weird? So his dad is verbally. I, I don't know, but it's it's really weird because like no one likes him, but also he's just a complete shithead. Yeah, like, like also he goes to school and he's like, no one will sit with me. He's a bully. No one. He's one of the bullies who should get eaten from the first segment. But the problem is that he like he's not even like a a bully though. Like not he, he is. is. They say that he they say that he's an asshole. He even says that the other kids say that he's an asshole. Yeah, the only reason that Like that's a bully. Yes. To I, children. I, I want to be clear that he is a bully, but the only reason the difference here I'm making is like I don't I don't know if I'd say like capital B bully in the same way that like the first segment were it's no, just like instead of just he's just he's just so fucking weird god, god damn cheats he is fucking weird okay we don't know the backstory of this kid either he is weird because he is an outcast or he's just fucking weird and therefore outcast we don't know any of this situation we don't know if his dad hates him because of the way he turned out or if he turned out this way because his dad hates him. There's no way of knowing. In, in, without in going. virtually all cases, children who behave this way are being abused at home. In virtually all cases. Essentially all. Like, you get a child who's born a psychopath and is just, like, simply going to go down that path no matter what you do. You do get that because brains can be born busted. They can. But mostly... We do know his backstory. If he's behaving like this, he's being treated like absolute shit at home. And then they show him actually being treated like shit at home. So I think we can pretty much shut the book on that one. I get what Cheats is saying. is Cheats is saying that he is not the type of person that is like following little kids around and like beating them up. or like, Right. But what he's doing is much more of a psychological approach where like he lets people get like somewhat open with him. Like this girl that he... Uh, he talks to you later he's like nobody ever wants to sit with me but what it's whatever i'll just go over here and she feels sorry for him and right. she's like well you know what let's give this a try you sit here and then he feeds her fly cookies yeah so it's like first of all the fl- yeah the fly cookie scene is really gross number one because like as soon as he hands her a cookie he's like well aren't you gonna eat it yeah aren't you gonna eat it like- and then it zooms into his face 
of him licking his lips for 15 to 20 he seconds. He is just coming <laughs> from this fucking, like, from this torture he's about to do. Not torture, but this this prank, I guess, if you want to call it that. They, um... They show her later in the in the in the nurse's office, like as he's getting kicked out of school for being a piece of shit. They show her like drinking some kind of like medicine from the nurse, and it's like, so what happened to you? Because you ate a little bite of a fly cookie. You're just in the you're in the hospital now. Like <laughs> she and the nurse is like, you've caused enough trouble today. Oh, look at all the suffering, and it's like. At best, she probably wanted, like, she maybe made herself puke or, like, was grossed out and threw up or something. But I don't know why you... Right, I mean... Like, what... It's probably just some, like, Pepto. Yeah, <laughs> calm down. But also, this kid is... He is a little piece of shit. Yeah. That's it's not like... <laughs> up for debate. I'm just... I was not to... Not to, I wasn't defending his actions. He should be eaten, like I said, in the begin that first segment. He should just have been eaten by a monster. I had a hard time disagreeing with the dad for that reason. He is a fucking asshole. And it's like, well, if you cut him down, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, so... um, I don't like him either. Honestly, I thought it was pretty appropriate that the mom went down in the basement and, and just got rid of all his fucking fly shit. The, the diorama like, scene where he's showing everything, it lingers so long. <laughs> It's like, listen, we have to nip this in the bud. We've let it go on for far too long. You can't murder flies, pull off their wings, and create shit out of them. If you want to do that when you're an adult, you can, but like... I can't. I can't. <laughs> Don't bother coming back for Thanksgiving. <laughs> the asshole farmer is tired of dealing with Gordy, and the whole thing with this farmer is like he has discovered some sort of unique, like miracle maneuver is the wording that he uses that's causing vegetables to be fucking massive. And uh, he gives Gordy like a jar of this stuff. And he's like, "This is a gift as, as part of a truce. Uh, you know, you can take it home now." And like. As Gordy leaving, the farmer is basically rubbing his his fly hands uh, yeah. together, just like ha ha, can't wait till Gordy fucking dies. <laughs> There's so much opportunities for Gordy to not be a piece of shit. Like this, like anytime anyone tries to make peace with him, he's makes them regret it. And so it's like it's it's pretty satisfying to see like this old man plotting against him, even though it's like. It's like, goddamn, old man, just find something. You literally invented a miracle. Like, sell that to the government and stop worrying about this fucking kid who's a nuisance. We, we didn't mention it, but I do love his reaction whenever, like, his mom throws out all his fly stuff. And how fucking jazzed he is that he had some fly paper on the outside of the, outside of the yeah. house. He was fucking <laughs> so pleased. Like, he's got to have flies. Like, this is his favorite game. Flies. Flies is his favorite game. And to be honest, once again, usually whenever children are showing dominance against like lesser life forms, like in this way, it's because they're trying to fight for control in their own life. Uh, so the fact that he's this desperate to have even a little handful of flies is pretty alarming. Got him his fly fix. Yeah. So basically, he, he went back in his room and found the fly paper. So it was a Sir Flies motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck off. It's a bad pun, I know it is. No, but I, I, my, my brain wouldn't it's, drop it until I said it out it's loud. It's a bad, bad pun. Woo! Pun time. But honestly, what I just said didn't deserve the drums. I'm just going to acknowledge <laughs> it that. It didn't. It didn't deserve Well, it. almost nothing we ever say does. It's rare, but um, we use it anyway. Because we're assholes. Okay, well, he takes the super manure home, and it's like, man, I gotta start cultivating some new flies. And, uh, that night, <laughs> there's a couple of nightmares, uh, 
But it ultimately uh, boils down to giant flies are now in his room. and they're ready yeah, They fucking eat his arms. Have some revenge. No, they rip them off. And deliver them unto their parents. Yeah, they rip off because they both. What's really funny is that there's two flies hiding behind this tiny gap on this door, and these are huge, like man-sized flies. And there was three of them actually in the room originally. So two of them come like waddling out, each one holding one of his arms in their like monster hands. These fucking fly costumes are such a fucking disappointment. Like these Dude, are straight I, I, out of a Halloween store. I, yeah, they are. Very I kind bad. of love them. It's like, if they're going to be this bad, it should be a little more yeah, poorly I kind of love them, though. Like, we can't tell. They didn't even try to get the actors who were in these bug costumes to act like bugs. They just dance around. It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, goddamn. Very, very y'all. shitty. But presumably his parents are killed. Yeah, everyone dies. We don't see them again. But we do see Gordy lying in a cot because I guess you can't. Can't kill him. <laughs> he's a child. But he's got his arms uh, ripped off, and he's got uh, two prosthetic ones, two hooks. It's kind of fucked up. <laughs> this, yeah. this ending for Gordy is kind of fucked up. I don't get it. Like, did the flies leave him alive with no arms but kill his parents? And so now he yeah. just lives alone with two hooks? Well, no. It's, it's like, it's, this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> this is, it's payback. Like, he was pulling the, the, the wings off of flies. No, I know that. I actually even called it out loud. Like, I saw him pulling the wings off the flies, and I was like, those flies are going to pull his fucking arms off. I already know this. But it is payback, but what I'm saying is, like, they show him in a hammock at the end. So what happened? Like, his his parents are just killed, I guess, because they were attacked by the flies. At least one of his parents has to be alive, because otherwise he couldn't have gone to the doctor to get prosthetic arms he would have bled out i mean you could he would have went to foster care they might have put prosthetic i mean I, it was, just, it was the still same house philip is right the ending is bullshit yeah it it's, doesn't, it doesn't matter <laughs> the only reason i'm even answering is because philip is baiting me in the trying to make sense of yes this. no there is no sense of okay it. hold on wait i've got it he uh became the ward of their friendly neighborhood farmer and uh they they both went on to star in a wacky sitcom together. There you go. I'm good with that. Mad do- mad scientist, fu- uh, farmer, and <laughs> armless fatty. <laughs> I mean, I would watch it. It seems like he could do some pretty fun mad scientists with those little hooks. But um, I'm just assuming that the the flies adopt him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's what that's what I thought. Dehart was going to say. I was like, actually. Fair enough. Maybe they keep him as a pet now with no arms. And that he just lives in the backyard and he can't escape because his hooks are so useless and he's useless. He's glued to the hammock. He is he's glued to the hammock. The hammock is actually flypaper. Damn, that would have been cool. They fucked up. They should have made the hammock flypaper. Like he should have woke up and been like, ah, ah. All it would have taken is just some goo. And I would have fucking bought that. I would have bought that for a dollar. After this hour-long entry, basically. It's so fucking uh, long. It wraps back around to Sean Astin, uh, world-renowned actor Sean Astin, A-lister. Uh, or possible nobody, we'll <laughs> never know. Or possible no one, yes. We wrap back around to the kids, and they're like, oh, none of this happened. And Sean Astin's like, well, I can prove it. And the dad walks out, and the dad takes off his mask, and he's the monster from the first story. Well, first he says... You aren't out here giving each other the willies, are ya? <laughs> yeah, of course. We have to have the title drop. Two title drops in this movie. 
Well, is there another Willies? In yeah, in the beginning, uh, he was like, "These stories are sure to give you the Willies." Yeah, they, they they mentioned the Willies a couple of times. I think the issue was that they didn't have enough stories, and they just had the two or whatever. And so the movie was gonna be called The Williams, but they couldn't. It's not long enough. They didn't have enough movies. Uh, segments. By the way, IMDb suggests to watch along with this movie is Mosquito. <laughs> that sounds fair. Uh, it's actually because of the 4K rip butthole. Edition, because the fly connection. I'm sure this one has one. Okay, and that's uh, yeah, that's the end of the movie, though. Yeah, the all the children who got the willies were killed by Sean Astin's dad. They got the killies. No killies. Fuck off. All right, shall we move to the diggity scale? So moving on to that diggity scale, let's do the terrorize first, and I'm gonna give it. A slight rise in diggity. Come at me, bro. Uh, the only reason is because, like, we got to make space in the scale because this isn't that bad. It's watchable. I'm going to also give it a slight rise, but I'm acknowledging that it's a generous one. It is. Agreed. These are student films, and I judged them. Yeah, I've, I'm <laughs> on the, the same wavelength. I'm, I'm doing a slight rise. No, hardly any diggity. This movie fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. Like, I, I don't, knew I'm not it. doing this with you boys. It was bad. And all of you know that it was bad. There was no... There was, there was some fun stuff in there. But wait, Steven. Uh, she wrote... Uh, our, our main character, she wrote another anthology. It's a sci-fi anthology. Future Shock. Vivian Schilling wrote Future Shock? Yeah. Uh, is, is this going to change your mind? No, not at all. Uh, we'll we'll see when I pick it. <laughs> <laughs> Great, can't wait. Uh, yeah, hardly any diggity for me. Uh, I didn't like hardly anything about this fucking movie. Yeah, like, I thought it was boring. Uh, I thought the um, I thought it was super messy. Obviously, being a, a student film, but um, yeah, I'm judging it on the same fucking scale as I judge everything else on. I don't care whether students did it or whatever. We're we're watching it, so. Uh, I didn't have any fun with it. <laughs> it's just really hard because um, I re-listen to our episodes of the older episodes of the podcast and newer ones very often. I just play them whenever I'm doing other work um, so I can remember these fucking shitty-ass movies f- you know, for the in service of the show so that I can bring them back up later. But it really seems like there just isn't any space down there at the bottom half of the scale. Like... No diggity means Star Wars Christmas special, Grizzly Rage, Frankenstein versus Dracula, effectively not a movie. Oh, um, Shark Exorcist. All of those movies. Practically not even a real movie. Cheats gave uh, Raisin Cane no diggity, though. Well, Cheats is a fucking wild card. He'll just give anything no diggity. That's not... He, he doesn't obey the scale. He doesn't... He, earlier, he was... You live by your own rules, Cheats. <laughs> earlier, Cheats said the phrase, he's not a capital B bully. <laughs> I did. <laughs> he can't even commit to whether or not a character is a fucking bully or not. No, there, there's. He is. There's, he just is. He's a fucking bully. He fed a. He fed a girl there, fly there cookies, nuance, and I had to state it. I'm over <laughs> it, and I'm over this. No diggity is is nonsense. Uh, for for most movies, it's crazy to give them no diggity because we watch movies that deserve no diggity when they're on the show. No diggity is either it's it's fucking horrible or I hated it. Listen, I guess if you hate it enough. Whatever. Going back to my rating here, I feel like hardly any diggity is good because I feel like if you took any more away from this movie, it would be no diggity. 
Like, even just a slightly, if it was a slightly bit, slight bit worse, it there would be nothing. Well, I just disagree. I feel like there's more nuance. There's more space in, there should be more space in there. But I don't disagree with your assertion that it's hardly any diggity. It is hardly any diggity. But I have to give it a higher score than that because we give way worse movies hardly any diggity. How about the Willies? For me, Slight Rise is the right spot for it. This is interesting. Um, I thought that it just was better quality overall. The second segment was way too fucking long. Uh, so, I'll say the low end of Slight Rise. Like, middle to low end. You're losing a little credibility here because it does have Sean Astin in it. The worst actor ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but, but the thing is, is Sean Astin was in the movie for like three and a half minutes. And that was probably the one of the better things about the movies that early sec that early when they're telling each other gross shit lasts longer than that that's why the movie's so insufferable honestly if you cut out that whole like like pre-credit scene the movie goes up half a diggity yeah <laughs> half a diggity it goes up at five to ten percent in in quality because that is just ins- it's so tedious it's this it's the kids just telling really stupid jokes it's almost nine minutes of uh nothing really yeah that's that's my point he is in the movie but it's not a good part i think the willies kind of preyed a little bit on my nostalgic factor of the fact that it did feel so much like are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps and like a lot of those anthology shows that i watched as a kid and i was like you know what this kind of just feels like a bad episode of that but like it still reminded me of it in some way and kind of was endearing in that way, but it still wasn't good. So low end of slight. I'll rise. give it a slight rise, even though it doesn't fucking deserve it. I'm I'm also going with a slight rise for so, it. Yeah, it's a four of a kind. A, a hat trick plus one. Yes, uh, we all agree. Neither of these movies are very good, but they were fun. These are the kind of thing that are like perfect for putting on during like a Halloween party or something. So you're just walking by and then you just. See these flies rip off a child's arms, even though you don't see that. I wish we did. That's unfortunate. But uh, you might catch that, though. Flies chasing parents, holding arms in their in their fly arms, in their hand, hands. Uh, two notable things that we didn't bring up during the podcast before we completely wrap this up. Uh, terror Eyes as a really cool like main theme, except for the where the drum machine sounds like it breaks. Aside from that, it's it's like fucking top notch oh yeah yeah the willies uh has a news segment with on the channel corn with a k just things i wanted to bring up didn't fit in anywhere k-o-k-o-r-n the k-o-r-n segments are really long and um pretty charming for me i don't know why i liked them so much probably just because everyone on the newscast is just they're the worst actors in the movie almost. Okay, so that's not true. That's how the real news is. That was something I did also want to bring up. Thank you, D-Hart, for bringing us back to that segment with the uh, kid who pulls wings off of flies. But his parents are fucking horrendous actors. They're, yeah, they're bad. They're two of the worst actors I've ever seen. They're both horrible. And then the newscaster is very plainly reading off of a piece of paper right in front of her. And it's like, are you fucking with me right now? Like, this bitch could not even be bothered to learn her lines. The dad is such a bad actor in a way that I'm almost convinced he wasn't acting and he just hates that. He just hated the the child actor. Yeah. He for real just hates the kid. He's like, well, I don't know how to act, but this kid's a fucking idiot and a loser. Yeah, so uh, in our chat, Stephen described 
uh, Gordy as a freak on a leash. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, because obviously corn reasons. All right, I think we got everything. We did it. Let's call it a day. Miracle. <laughs> We've got no feedback because nobody knows the show's still running. <laughs> yep, and for some reason I put out episodes anyway. No, it's uh, well, it's it's specifically for me. The show runs it it, it runs at my pleasure. I'm sh- I'm sure. Uh, I actually do have a piece of feedback. I just realized I got a text from one of our very loyal listeners, um, Alyssa, also former roommate. So Alyssa says, oh my god, so funny in the new episode when you're talking about how you hate hearing overlapping conversations, and D-Hart says, you must hate this podcast. <laughs> Which at, the, at the time, I was I was so like focused on like how angry I am whenever multiple people are talking at once. And uh, But the, the key, D-Hart, that you missed, and that I didn't reply to what you said, but I did hear what you said, um, is that the conversations that I'm hearing have to be not on the same subject. If everyone here is talking all at once, I don't care because we're all talking about the same thing and I can catch every one of the things that's part of the plot of what we're saying and put it all together as we go. Everything that I hear, at least. But if it's like 10 different people's conversations, it's just fucking gone. Like, I just want to die. But anyway, yeah, that. thank you, Alyssa, for that feedback. She's always writing down silly things that we say. It seems like she likes D-Hart's comments the best. Which, uh, you know, in retrospect, I usually agree. At the time, um, D-Hart's comedy is very often so dry that it just blows right by me. <laughs> that's, that's my problem, not anybody else's. <laughs> blows right by, by, by uh, as, like dry dust in the wind. Yep, like Sean Astin's career, just floating right on and just gone. Doesn't even it's exist, true, not real. <laughs> <sighs> All right, guys, if you want to send some feedback, you can find us on... Uh, Twitter at MPM Podcast and on Instagram and Facebook at Motion Picture Meltdown. If you want to tell your friends about us, they can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Um, tune in pretty much any other major podcast platforms out there. I've been one of your hosts, Stephen Ross Rosenberg. Phil the Flighterman Collins. Cheats the Streets McGee. Andy Hart. And we'll see you next time. Every time I start to believe. Something's raped and taken from me, from me.